of the bulletin, and that is um, on page 4, Colossians 1, 21 through 23. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which Paul, I, Paul, became a minister. The word of the Lord. Well, it's a whirlwind victory tour for me. Uh, uh, starting tomorrow as I go on sabbatical on Tuesday, my wife and I will be heading to California. And we're going to L.A. Uh, and then San Francisco. And then up into Napa Valley. And uh, we're going to be stomping on grapes and uh, it's going to be a great time as we hike the hills in Sonoma and Napa Valley. And then I'll get back and be here for a couple of, uh, home for a couple of days. And then I'm heading to Israel, uh, just myself and not on a tour or anything. I'm just going on a pilgrimage, uh, June 1 through 14, uh, seeking for some encounters with Jesus along the road. Uh, and uh, part of that time, I'm going to be actually hiking from uh, Galilee, excuse me, from Nazareth, to Capernaum and uh, so it's going to be a very interesting hike and that's a solo hike. Uh, I've got all of my gear together. I actually brought my, my uh, carbon fiber poles. Uh, people are wondering, you know, is Carlos going to get taken out over there? Uh, if anyone tries to mess with me, the carbon fiber poles are going to come out and it ain't going to be pretty, okay? I will be well protected. The one thing I haven't decided whether to purchase or not is there's a, there are these things called personal locator beacons. Does anyone know what a PLB is? It's a really cool thing. You know, there's some places where there's no cell phone coverage. And so uh, you can carry these things around and they actually, you can push a button and they talk to the satellites and the satellites call the emergency service and the choppers descend upon you and uh, they can save you, you know, it's a... Uh, quite amazing, you know. I think the bill's like $10,000. So don't push the button unless you really need the button, right? But uh, personal locator beacons. There's nowhere that you cannot be found uh, in the world today. As I was thinking about purchasing that, I thought about a guy in a story. Some of you remember the story of Aaron Ralston, uh, who on April 26, 2003, in Canyonlands National Park, woke up deciding to go canyoneering uh, in the canyons there and he was an accomplished hiker and rappeller and canyon guy and so he woke up and he was going to go hike Blue John Canyon and Blue John Canyon I don't know if uh, we have a, a picture but there are these canyons that are very narrow and Blue John had a bunch of boulders wedged in it that actually functioned as sort of stair steps and you could walk down into the canyon thousands of people had done it and so he, he put together some minimal supplies, some water, a couple of sandwiches, and he went off and he started hike going down the staircase. It's, it's really in the middle of nowhere. Well, for whatever reason, he was the one out of a million where one of those stones decided to dislodge as he was standing on it. He fell 20 feet down into the canyon, and that boulder came down. It was an 800-pound stone, uh, landing squarely on his arm, pinning him to the bottom of the canyon. It functioned as a chalk stone. 
And Aaron, there's Aaron calling right now, actually, telling me that I've got it. Maybe that's the personal locator beacon saying, get me the heck out of here. Ralston knew he was in trouble. He was in a very remote section, and he had limited supplies. And uh, despite doing his best, he recognized finally that there was no way for him to dislodge this 800-pound stone. The only solution ultimately that he uh, was able to find and get out of there was by amputating his arm. What happens when life becomes unstable is my question. When the floor drops out from the bottom. Maybe you've had a situation like that. Certainly not as graphic as that of Aaron Ralston. But you're going along minding your business and then your boss calls you into the office. Or you're having a routine checkup and the doctor looks at something cloudy on the x-ray and says, we want to do some more tests. Or you wake up late at night and there's a phone call from the police saying there's been an accident. There's a myth in this world that life is stable. Certainly we try to present that facade in some places comfortable as the United States of America but it is a myth. And sooner or later when this happens, when you experience and realize the fact that life is unstable, it's very easy to continue to live with fear, to withdraw. And so the question before us is this, how can we look to the future with confidence? How can we stand firm in an unstable world? If the world is unstable, how can we live a stable life that's not dominated by fear? The reality is there is no place on planet Earth that is truly stable because true stability is not found in a place. It's found in a person. Jesus Christ is the only sure foundation upon which we can stand and we can stand with confidence. God has given to the Christian the surest foundation in Christ and now we must stand on him. I want to talk about three specific things in my short three-hour sermon. Number one, what is the cause of a shaky foundation? We need to take a look and maybe rattle our cages and see how strong is the foundation we're standing on. Number two, why Christ is the only sure foundation. And then finally, number three, how does one build a life on this sure foundation? Because Jesus is the only sure foundation upon which we can stand. We must stand on it. Well, let's look at point number one, the cause of a shaky foundation. The scripture begins with this statement, And you, who were once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. He's speaking to the Christians at Colossae, but he's really speaking to all people, at least all Christians. However, we know that the world did not start out that way. Man was not created on a shaky foundation alienated from God. We see that the foundation of all things is God himself. Psalm 24, 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, for he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. And he made man glorious to reign on a sure foundation. Psalm 8, 4, What is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. 
we see that those who honor the Lord are set on a sure foundation. As Psalm 16:8 says, I have set the Lord always before me, and because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. But man rebelled against God, and in so fell from his sure place. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. This word mind, if you translate it in the Greek, is actually intention. So you could say better, and you who once were, um, were evil, uh, were, had evil and willful intention of hostility to God. It is in the, uh, the tense indicates that it was an ongoing state. That man's intention was to live counter to God. To make a decision not to live by God's ways or by God's rule but his own. The result of this willful intention was doing evil deeds. Man did not want to live by God's ways. And so stepping away from the firm foundation that God put him on, he fell. You see, the root of a shaky foundation is a steadfast refusal to live under God's will and by God's ways. The result of that fall was alienation and separation. This word alienation, if you look at it in the Old Testament, it refers to people who are shut out from the presence and care of God. In other words, there was God's people and there was everyone else. And the people who did not have uh, the promises of God, who were not recognized by God, did not receive the blessings of God, they were cut off from God. Those were the aliens, the alienated, the shut out. In the New Testament, we see it phrased in a different way. There will be these parables and people will be speaking to God and they'll be speaking and, and talking about their status with God and God will say to them, away from me, I never knew you. Those were people who were alienated from God. And what the writer here is saying is that you who stepped away from God's foundation were alienated from God. You were cut off from Him. You were down in the canyon, so to speak, unseen by God. See, for every crime, there is a punishment. For every action, there's a consequence. For Ralston, the consequence of the fall was being pinned against uh, down in the canyon, in the rock. And there was no way out. I don't know if you've seen the movie 127 Hours, James Franco uh, portrays Aaron Ralston. He was actually nominated for an Academy Award for it. And he has, you know, th this mountain climbing gear and, you know, throughout the days he's trying to find a way to set up some sort of lever to go ahead and pull this rock off of himself. And yet, no matter what he tries, he cannot do it. He can't find leverage. He's pinned and he's stuck. But you see, the difference between Ralston's story and ours is that Ralston's incident was an accident. And ours was not. Ralston ultimately did find a way to get out of his predicament, albeit a grisly one. But there is no way out for those who are alienated and separated from God. Indeed, they don't want a way out. So the point I'm trying to make here in this first point is this. All of our life centers around one thing. Where do you stand with God? 
The biggest issue is not the job that I hold, or the car that I drive, or the amount of money in my investment account. See, the reality is if we are trapped, all of life is simply a bunch of levers that we're trying to pull to try to find a way to be righteous in God's sight. But the reality is that no matter what we try, there is no way to get out of the canyon of condemnation. And so you must examine yourself. Where am I? Is my foundation firm? What is it fixed upon? Because until you recognize that the only sure foundation is found in God, you're simply playing with levers and none of them will succeed. And God is not for you. His intent is for harm, not for good. But if I finished my story there, it would be a very distressing end before my sabbatical. Thank goodness God has given us a sure foundation. This is my second point. See, he's speaking to those Christians and he's saying, once you were alienated from God and were enemies because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. See, God has done something to reconcile us to himself. Such a beautiful word, isn't it? reconciliation it's those that were enemies coming together have you ever been reconciled to someone where you were enemies where you were cut off where you wouldn't speak to each other and all that pent-up rage and frustration finally is broken and there's love and there's harmony and there's peace and we see that it's God who has reconciled us to himself not us it is God who has done the work. And how has He reconciled us to Himself? Through Christ's physical body. He takes us from trapped to free. From shaky to sure. How? Through His body. See, those people that say, oh yes, it's Christ's wonderful teachings and His beautiful sayings, those are the things that we must focus on. By them and following them, we will have life. It's not true. It's by Christ's physical body. See, there was a reason that Christ became flesh and blood. Christ came into the canyon, if you will, because we were pinned beneath the rock. Christ came down onto planet Earth and lifted it. In order to free us, Christ became trapped. In order for us to come out of the canyon, Christ went into the tomb. And in order for us to come alive, Christ had to go down to death. We who are united to God, that only occurred because He was separated from God in His death. We went from treason to reconciliation because of the obedience of Christ. And what is the result of this great gift, this great sacrifice, that we are holy and without blemish. This word holy, hagios, is the word in Greek. It's the same word we would use to describe someone who is a saint. Have you ever met a saint before? If you have not, I'd like to introduce you to one. 
Nice to meet you. My name is Carlos. And if you are a Christian, you are a saint as well. Did you know that? You're sanctified. The word means to be set apart. It means to be brought into the family of God. Why? Because now you are without blemish. In the Old Testament, anything that was to be suitable for God needed to be pure. It needed to be holy. So the lambs that were brought into the service of God had to be without blemish. You look at yourself and you say, oh, I have so many blemishes. Look in the mirror. You look at your heart and you say, oh, look at the mess of a person I am. You don't understand the depths to which Christ has gone to bring you to a spot without blemish, pure and holy, as you will be presented at the end of all things and free from accusation. There's so many accusers in the world, aren't there? The first one being the evil one, Satan himself. The word Satan, by the way, means to accuse. He's the accuser. And yet we discover that we're free from his accusation. There are others certainly that accuse us of all the things that we have done wrong. And there's some truth perhaps in those things. But are they things that keep us from God, from his love for us? His reconciliation with us? No. We're free from their accusation. And thank goodness for this. We're even free from our own accusation. You know, every voice that you hear in your head is not your own. But maybe it is. That person who points at you in the mirror says, I know what you did. I know who you are. Oh, you're, you're a sinner is who you are. They never stop talking against us, do they? We're free from that person too. Christ's death is big enough to silence the accusation of the whole world against us. I love Psalm 40, which says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined and heard my cry. He lifted me up out of the canyon, out of the pit, and He set my feet upon a rock, and He made my footsteps firm, and He put a new song in my mouth. See, my friends, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not graciously along with him give us all things? We are children of God. I don't know if you remember that horrible tsunami in 2004 in Indonesia. You saw the horrible pictures of what happened. 225,000 killed in that tsunami. There was a guy, his name was Julian Sharp. He was an aerospace engineer. He was vacationing and as he saw these pictures, he thought to himself, there's got to be something I can do to prevent this in the future. And so he went back to his company that he owned and he started work on something. It's called the survival capsule. And his goal is to have these placed ultimately in every home. And they're in sizes of two and five and ten. It's pretty amazing actually. It's a capsule that is perfectly self-sustaining. And so when the sound of the tsunami comes, the alarm, you can quickly run into this thing and strap yourself in and close the door. And there's air in it and there's food in it and it's perfectly shaped. This thing can 
fall off a building. The building can fall down under you and because of the way it's shaped, it can literally be in the water surrounded by all of that stuff and yet you ultimately survive. It's even got a personal locator beacon in it. So you can be found wherever you are. I think about this picture and I think a little bit about what God has given us in Jesus Christ. See, the reality is we're not going to find a sure foundation on this earth from sickness or death or war or whatever it is. But there is a foundation that we can go into upon which we can stand. When the storms hit, when everything falls apart, and we don't have to go in it because we already are. Jesus Christ. See, this is designed to keep you from death. Jesus Christ is designed to take us through death. We need not fear even death, for He is the resurrection and the life. And so where is your strength to stand against the coming storm? Perhaps you consider yourself a strong person. You can stand against the wind and the rain and the storms and the rising waters. You don't need God. The reality is you're an enemy of God. And however tough you are, it's not tough enough. In Christ is the only place that you can find a firm foundation. So stand on Him. Make a decision now. I pray and plead for you if you have not already to make Him your foundation. Because Christ has come into the canyon and He has lifted us up and He has set us upon Himself. And so we must stand on Him and Him alone. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my strength, my life, and my song. And so how do we stand on this firm foundation? My final point. Notice verse 22. He has reconciled you and He has done all these things for you to present you holy, without blemish, and free from accusation if you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. See, my friends, we have a part to play. Our part is to remain to stand on where He's placed us. If is a very small word with big consequences. Now you may be saying to yourself, well, what if I don't? What if I fall? What if I make a poor decision? I want to suggest to you that if Christ is strong enough to put us on His foundation, He's strong enough to keep us on it. If we continue in faith, if we stay grounded in hope. I guess I could step away from my confidence in Christ. I'd kind of relate it, I guess, to this chair. Imagine this chair was the one place that I had a firm foundation. This whole place was going to fall away, and so I decided to stand on this foundation. In fact, when I come back, I'm going to actually start preaching from this exalted place. It's kind of nice, isn't it? Fair enough. So the whole place is falling apart. I'm going to stand on this foundation. Well, I'm getting kind of tired on this. I'm going to go ahead and... Uh, I don't think I am going to step down. Why? Because I'm utterly convinced this is the place to stand. 
This is where I make my stand. This is where I make my hope. See, that's the thing about Christianity. You know, if the Bible teaches the perseverance of the saints, the one other thing it teaches is that it's the saints who persevere. Continuance in trusting and hoping in Christ is the test. If you believe, then you will stand. See, the passage is not saying if your hope is in yourself to be saved. If your faith is in yourself, it's if your faith is in Him. If your confidence is in Him. If you've trusted Christ, you have a sure foundation. And now you must stand on it. You know, the wonderful thing about foundations, they're not meant for survival. They're meant for building upon, right? See, that capsule is for survival. But Christ hasn't come simply so that we can survive. He's come so that we can thrive. He's come to give us a new place to stand upon. And so foundations are for building upon. So what are you building your life upon? I want to encourage you to take this hope, this belief in Christ, and to place it under every aspect of your life. Maybe you have a career. Maybe you're in college and aspiring to have a career one day. Put Christ underneath your job. Make a decision that you'll honor Him by living and working by His ways. Trusting Him. Reflecting Him as a priority in your life, in your day-to-day -day career, whether inside the home or outside the home. What are the dreams that you have for your life? You want to grow up and you want to be this or you want to do this. I'm still growing up. I still have dreams. I hope you do as well. Make Christ the foundation of your dreams because He's the one upon which we want to accomplish those dreams. He's the one that can guide us to the right dreams, the dreams that are of Him. I love the scripture that if you delight yourself in the Lord... He will give you the desires of your heart. Build your relationships upon the foundation of Christ. My relationship with my kids, how I choose to parent them and love them. My relationship with my spouse, how I choose to love her. My dating relationship, my relationship with my parents. He is my foundation. And so I'm going to entrust those things to Him. He knows what's best for me. Firm foundations are for building upon and they're also for rebuilding upon that which is shaky. You know, we're always under renovation, aren't we? It's the thing about the Lord. He's always sort of taking a sledgehammer to things that I thought were totally fixed. He's taken me down to the studs in this particular area because He wants to rebuild this aspect of my life on His foundation. So what are the areas of your life right now where you're feeling the tremors? Where you're feeling shaky? Examine yourself. Examine that area. Have you given it to Him? Are you walking in accordance with His will and His ways in obedience to Him? That's how we demonstrate faithfulness in obedience. Live by His word. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him and He will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the sun. 
and the justice of your cause like the noonday. God has given us the surest of foundations in Jesus Christ. We, above all people in these uncertain times, should be able to lift our heads and to stand and to proclaim the Lord. Let me tell you what He has done for me. So do not fear, for He is with you. Don't be dismayed, for He is your God. He will strengthen you and He will help you. And He will uphold you with His righteous right hand. When everything else is falling apart, when it seems that everything in my life is falling apart, put your feet firmly on Jesus Christ. And no matter what the conditions, I guarantee you, you will find a solid place to stand. Perseverance of the saints, it's the saints who persevere. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen a week from now. The great thing is I don't have to. All I need to know is right now, who is my God? Who is my Lord? Who is my foundation? And upon this rock I shall stand. As for me in my house, I will serve the Lord. I hope so for you as well. I'll be back in three months. I'll have great stories to tell, I believe. I'm excited to see what God is going to do in this congregation. How God is going to call you to stand in new ways. To lift up your head. To proclaim Christ in your life. To love one another. To live as servants of the Lord. The elders are here available. And will be shepherding the congregation. But the wonder of the church. Is that Christ is the head of it. He's in charge. And he's a living God. He is the firm foundation. That will never fail. Upon this rock Jesus said. I will build the church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So until then, au revoir. Could I say that? Let's pray. Jesus, thanks for coming into the canyon to get us. What no one else could or would. You came down and you bled and you died and you broke us free and you lifted us up and you put us on a foundation, your own life. And so we rejoice that we stand and we hold on fast to the hope of the glory of God. Lord, help us not to lose sight of the reality that we are children of God. And we pray that our life and our love would be personal locator beacons for the world who are looking for you, that they would see us and draw near and hear the gospel and come home. Watch over this congregation, Lord, in my absence. May they thrive and flourish as they seek to do your will. Pray all of these things in Christ's name. Amen. And we do give uh, thanks to our God that we have this firm foundation to stand on, uh, that we have. And you know the firm foundation, according to Scripture, is Christ is the chief cornerstone.